Hello, and welcome to the What's Career Got to Do With It podcast, where we hope to provide a space for honest conversation and information that encourages the listener to take the next steps in their career journey. Wherever you are in this process, we hope this episode will meet you with affirmation, guidance, and maybe some laughs along the way. On today's episode, we are joined by special guest Keani Holmes, currently Assistant Director with Do Well and Principal CEO and Consultant of HEAL. As we discuss an answer or many to the question, what are boundaries? Dun, dun, dun. Oh, a loaded question, but ready to break it down and hopefully enjoy what comes next. I would say boundaries are your understanding of what you need in the present moment and how you advocate for that to show up for others around you, and then also an opportunity for you to explore because sometimes a boundary that you set before might not be the same boundary and you might have to come back to that, which is why I say the present moment because it gives you a chance to focus on what you need right now and not necessarily always plan for the next best thing. Yeah. like Boundaries are this like loaded word too because there's like these firm boundaries, there's these soft boundaries, mm-hmm. there's boundaries you can play around with. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. There's boundaries that you can see and there's boundaries that you can't. Right. And there's some boundaries that you never knew you had until you get in a situation where you realize, yes. oh no, this is absolutely not going <laughs> to work for me. So no one, I feel like no one tells you like there are certain things that you don't find out until you get put into those situations because there are sometimes assumptions like, oh, they're not going to do this. They're not going to say this. They're not going to treat me that way until it happens. And then you're like, whoa, what do I do to address this? Because this wasn't something that I was expecting. I think when we conversate about boundaries, it's typically delivered in a way of like, set these boundaries, do these things, and you won't have to worry about it. But sometimes you can't be as proactive. There are things you can be proactive about because you know yourself. And then there are sometimes things that happen in the moment where you realize, I didn't know this bothered me because I've never had to deal with this before and now that I'm dealing with it now I know I don't like it how do I move forward with that yeah and I think that's something we see often with our student population and I want them to know that it's not just a student thing it's a it's a lifelong thing yes. it's, a, it's an everybody thing there is boundaries that we have to think about as we enter the professional workforce there's personal boundaries that you develop uh, over time with a partner with family with children with uh, so many other things hobbies <laughs> you name it and, and so it's not just uh, the context of what you're doing now as a student, what you're doing now as a professional. There's so many different ways to look at this. So, Kiani, can you walk us through maybe some of the, the work that you have done around boundaries, setting uh, conversations maybe that you have had in particular? Yeah, I think it would be helpful for me to kind of start when I was a student. So I had my undergraduate experience at North Carolina State University. I'm part of the Wolfpack. And I think... The first boundary setting was with a roommate. Um, That's the first conversation where you realize, hey, I live a certain way and I like to keep that. But now someone else is in my space. How do you have conversations with someone to say, I like the room this temperature. I like something clean this way or even sharing food. I have snacks on my side of the room. How does that, that work? And I don't think I really thought about it until things happened. And I was like, wait, like. I'm used to you ask somebody 
for something, to borrow something, to use something. And then my roommate was like, no, I feel like it's a shared space. You know, we can share each other's stuff. If it's out in the open, why can't we share? And so it was one of those things of like, this is bothering me or this is something that I didn't know bothered me. And then how do you use the RA to garner that conversation? Because we know that emotions and feelings take place when we feel as something has happened to us. And so sometimes those emotions and feelings, while we can feel those things, and I definitely encourage equanimity of sitting with that frustration and understanding it, but not getting stuck in the mud. Sometimes we have to bring somebody else in who can see from a bird's eye view, both points of view, and also help both of us communicate to get to a shared response. Because I think when I'm 17 and a freshman, (laughs) I'm just thinking, did you eat my Oreos? And why did you eat my Oreos? Because I love my double stuffed Oreos versus we both come from two different backgrounds. And in my family, you don't eat someone's first and you don't eat someone's last. You allow somebody to open up their things first and then you ask. But that's a rule in my family. That doesn't necessarily mean that's a rule for someone else. And while that might seem so minuscule, on top of other things that are stressful and anxiety written as a student, I come home to my safe space. I want my room to be the place that I have peace versus another place where possibly there are some conflict or some boundaries that have to be set. So I would say that's probably the first arena is like roommate. I think the second arena was friendships. Because I think when you build friendships between birth and 17, it's built around institutions you're a part of. Going to church, going to school, you're around people from 8 a.m. to possibly 7 p.m. at night, depending on if you do extracurriculars. And these are the people you see every day. So sometimes those friendships happen because you see them every day. Once you get to college, you actually have to be a friend. You have to, especially if you didn't go to the same college or did the same um, trade after high school, now I have to call you. Now I have to visit you or you have to come visit me or we have to wait until our next break to actually see each other. What does this look like? And I remember my best friend who we've been best friends since middle school, um, she went to another university and we had a conversation during fall break. I'll never forget. I said, I haven't seen you. I haven't talked to you. We both have dropped the ball. We've got to work on this. And from there, we scheduled like, okay, we've got to call each other once a month and we've got to come visit each other. We're not too far. Let's see what we can do. And I, we always laugh about that conversation because it was something that could have easily been miscommunication. You don't call me. I don't call you. And we just the friendship ends because we didn't sit down and talk about what this friendship looks like transitioning into a new stage of adulthood. But we did. And we are still best friends. And as somebody I literally just talked to yesterday of just thinking about how we work together and set those boundaries for each other. Like, I can't talk to you every day like I did when I was in high school because I'm in class. I also have other responsibilities, and I'm physically not there, but this is the way that I can show up for you. And then I think now as an adult, I would say my boundaries are what is serving me right now? Because I think when you're younger, you're always thinking about the next best thing. You're planning for your career. You're planning for whatever is coming next. And now I'm just like, when I look at my schedule, does this fit me right now? Or did I plan this three months out? And now that the day has arrived, I don't feel committed to this or I don't feel excited about this anymore. How can I be more present of what I need and what I'm capable of? And I don't think that I prioritized that 10 years ago because... I was always taught you need to have a plan A, B, and C. And now I'm just thinking, you know, if plan A doesn't work out, 
I would like to have a plan B, but I also want to sit in understanding why did plan A not necessarily work, which I think, again, those different examples that I used are much different on different levels for me. And it's been interesting to kind of reflect, even in this present moment right now, of how much communication plays a part in all of those conversations that I just mentioned. Yes. There, there's a there's a lot to unpack there, and I know Angela saw the notes I was making. Yeah, and was like what 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 does he mean by that? <laughs> um, so uh, the first thing that comes to mind, and I think this was a common theme throughout um, what you shared there, is uh, the equal opportunity on both ends with the people not only with not only yourself but the people you're you're making boundaries with and that requires a lot of transparency authenticity it requires communication and that's not necessarily always reciprocated so how do you handle a situation where that that comes into play when that's not reciprocated when you are authentic or transparent because that can lead to a lot of uh, harm uh, it can lead to a lot of relationship being deconstructed or torn down because of that. Do you mind discussing that? Yeah, I think my approach is always being directly compassionate. I want you to know that I'm holding you accountable because I care. If I didn't care about this, then I could easily just say, you know, I'm done, I'm, I'm over it, I'm gonna close this chapter, and then I'm being compassionate because you're a human. Nobody knows they're doing anything wrong until one, somebody tells them, or there's some type of response that happens that indicates that this is not the way this is supposed to go. If I don't communicate with you that it bothers me that you leave the light on, this is a random example, then if I explode on you the, the one time I feel like I am upset that you left the light on, you're going to be looking at me like, well, you never said anything before. Why does this bother you? And we always have that straw on the camel's back moment. But until we get there, if we've never communicated these things have happened. How can I expect you to know that bothers me? So I always kind of look at it as, am I building resentment because I'm trying to pretend that I'm giving grace? Because we love to use the word grace. We love to say, oh, give people grace. They're a human. Are you actually giving grace or are you building resentment? Because you're not actually saying something bothers you. I can give you grace and say, you know, I forgive you. This doesn't go towards your character. But if I'm not holding you accountable to say, this is bothering me. This is how this shows up for me. This is how it affects me. I need you to understand that moving forward. How does this work? And what can I do to work with you to understand this? I also have to be open to the fact that even me communicating this doesn't mean that two seconds later, they're not going to do the very thing that I just told them that bothers me. It's just about establishing my voice and saying this bothers me. So now that we have built understanding that you know that, you are now moving from a different place. Because before you didn't know that. Before you're living your life and you're cutting the lights on and you're doing whatever. Now if you're doing it, I now know that you know that this is an issue and then I can address you differently and hold you accountable differently. Because the first time I'm telling you this is a conversation openly about just, hey, this is how I operate. If I'm following up, it's going to be more of a, can you tell me why, you know, you did this? Or do you understand why this is bothering me? Because, again, as much as I want to be understanding, my initial innate response is, didn't I just tell you that? Or didn't we have that conversation? So I want to be clear that I'm not the person that's just automatically like, oh, everything's great. We just communicated about it. No, I think I'm all about if I can hold you to what I've said, then I at least know we have some type of understanding. 
if I can't hold you to that because I haven't said anything, then I, that puts me back in the driver's seat of what I have control over, which is my emotions in the moment and also my ability to advocate for myself. Because if I don't advocate for myself but I'm expecting change, I'm expecting somebody to operate from a place of, of non-understanding because they don't even know I have an issue. And I think a lot of us do that because we're not taught conflict management. We're taught that conflict is a bad thing. And so if you say something to someone, you're confrontational. Or maybe I'm saying something to someone because I need to communicate and be transparent about how I'm showing up and taking space. And also, I need to open it up for them. Is there anything that I'm doing that's getting on your nerves or that's bothering you? Because I'm in my own train of thought. And if you're not saying anything to me, then I'm thinking I'm also moving around as if, how Keani moves is perfect or how Keani moves is okay. So I would definitely say it's a place of trying to communicate, but also knowing that even if I have an issue, they also might have an issue too. And it's not it's not going to be a one conversation thing. It's going to probably be ongoing conversations or ongoing situations throughout, especially if we have a relationship. Because I'll say this to end it is that sometimes we expect to have relationships with people because we take up the same space. And that's not always gonna happen. You're not gonna be besties with all your coworkers. You're not gonna be besties with every person in your class if you're a student in a cohort. And you're also not gonna be besties with the people that you met when you first got here. Sometimes it works that way, that the person you met on the first day is the person that you're gonna end up being lifelong friends with. But I think sometimes we put an unnecessary expectation that because we're in space with folks that we're gonna have lifelong relationships with people and so that makes us move differently because we have communal expectations for some people who are really just transactional yep yep you know and I, I like what you were saying because you know like you said these are sometimes ongoing conversations and you know talking to students and in even outside of the career conversation like you know you got folks like yeah they got three strikes and I'm done and it's just like well no well what did you did you have the conversation? Did you ask what am I doing in this space? So I, I'm so glad that you kind of brought that to the forefront because I have those conversations quite often. I'm like, okay, let's let's take a step back let's and think about. Back. Let's breathe. Yeah. Like three strikes are we done? Like, do you think that you've only had one bad day, or possibly did you have three bad days and someone said that about you? Like, because you might have had a bad day and taken mm-hmm. it out on someone, and then someone says, yeah, they're just a bad person all around because they had three bad days. I can think in this 365, already in this year, I've had more than three bad days. (laughs) I would hope somebody wouldn't ride me off because of that. But I also have to be cognizant of how I'm showing up for someone might be one way and how somebody else perceives me might be another way. Like you would be surprised if you asked other people about yourself, what feedback they might give. And some of that feedback might, might, might be the same across the board, but there might be some situations that are very unique again, to the relationship you have with the person, that someone else would be like, Keanu never showed me that side, or I'm not familiar with that because we haven't gone down that path yet. Yeah. yeah. And even in baseball, just because you get three strikes and you're out doesn't mean the game's over. Right. Exactly. <laughs> right. Exactly. We, we don't have to bring um, some sort of ending to something just because we've made mistakes or just because something happened. Um, there's always different places to look. There's introspection. There is uh, retrospection. There's so many ways to take a situation and turn it around. 
I do want to touch on a word that you have mentioned multiple times now, and it's advocacy. And advocacy um, in the context of how do we self-advocate? Where do where does that come into the conversation when we're talking about boundaries? Is it the beginning? Is it the middle? Is it an end? Or is there really no clear defined place for it? Is it all the time? Yeah, I think advocacy is always a constant for yourself, a self-assessment. You've got to take inventory on what you need. And a lot of times we think, okay, well, I already know what I need and I've got everything down pat until something happens. And now we realize we need something else. So, you know, I think back when I came in, you know, I was used to, I could study and I, and I worked hard, but I didn't study and work as hard as I had to when I got to college. So in my mind, I don't need to go to the office hours. I don't need tutoring. I don't need those extra resources because I'm so smart and I'm so intelligent and I got here. So obviously, what do I need that if I hadn't used it before? And then the first week of tests happened and I looked at those test scores and I'm like, wait a minute, this is not my normal approach to grades. Maybe I do need to see if these resources are going to work for me. And instead of coming from a place of the only way that I can say I'm successful is if I get an A or if I get a hundred. I want to be successful by saying I'm learning the material so that I can engage in practicing it into whatever ways that make me successful. And I think that thinking about advocacy is how can I be successful and how can I thrive rather than survive? Because I think right now, or even when I was a student, it felt like survival of the fittest. It felt like, how can I just keep my head above water with the classes that I'm taking, internships that I'm interested in, extracurriculars that I want to be a part of, clubs and organizations, if you have things that you belong to, and then also the identities that I hold. I'm taking up space and community and building friends and building relationships. That is a lot. Building relationships to me is like an 18 credit course because you've got to manage all of these people's feelings all the time. You got to remember birthdays, holiday. It's like, whoa, I can barely remember what I want to eat for lunch, let alone I've got to remember all of these different people and spaces that I belong to. And I just feel like sometimes we don't give ourselves space to just realize how much we are managing and juggling and the conversation of advocacy for ourselves. And then if you are holding historically excluded identities, then you're also holding advocacy for building equity for those identities. And if you're not holding those identities and you're an ally to those identities, you might also be doing that work too to help make sure that all the spaces that folks are occupying are equitable as well. Yeah. Um, it- I think in regards to that, too, um, processing out loud and (laughs) saying words that are turning into salad currently, but that's how my brain works. (laughs) What kind of salad? Is it Caesar? Because that's my favorite. Oh, yes. Good Caesar. The croutons matter. The the croutons matter, and there are some garlic Caesar croutons from Food Lion. Highly recommend. I have those in my refrigerator right now. So good. I ate a salad last night with that on there. Mm, yeah. Yes. Uh, Kiana just cra- gave into our foodie. You know we foodies over here in the career I center. I did not know that, but we I just are... want to tell you that I'm a foodie. I'm a food truck chaser. That's what I call myself. Okay. And I do chase food trucks, and there's a food truck festival I'm going to this weekend in South Carolina. And it is an entire downtown blocked off with food trucks for the entire weekend. Nice. So, yeah. Wow. Sorry, Rudy. <laughs> 
Got me on the oh, floor. Once we start talking about food, <laughs> yeah. it is a wrap. Y'all are good. So uh, back into that conversation <laughs> about boundaries. And I, I think there's something, too, within all of that and the pieces surrounding the, the discussion of, like, is it ever too late? Because we get ourselves in situations sometimes that it seems like we can't pull ourselves out of. Or maybe it wasn't even our choice to get in that situation. Maybe um, it was a part of the system that we entered that allow, has allowed for uh, constant, um, I guess, uh, pressure or oppression to take place on the people that are within the system. Or even just you have gotten to a place and you didn't see the toxicity and the toxicity is now overwhelming you. Where do we go with that? How do we respond to that? I think it really depends, obviously, on what you have access to. So a lot of times people say, just leave. Well, financially, if I don't have the means to do that, then I can't just leave. It's very easy to say that if you have the financial means to make those decisions. And if you do, make sure that you're able to do that. But if you don't, you've got to figure out what things help you feel safe. What ways can I make this space safe until I am able to get out of here? And the first assessment of that is using your five senses. What sounds can I have around me that are going to help this space feel comforting or safe? If I've got to create a musical playlist that gets my mind right before I enter this space, or if I can have light music in the background or listening to a podcast and having my safe space, can I have those sounds? If it's touch, if you know there's a certain fabric you like, or if there's a certain blanket that you like to have, or if it's Play-Doh that you have to have something in your hands constantly, how can you bring that into the space? If it's a smell, to me, I'm essential oils. I love a diffuser. I love a good candle. I love a good fragrance. I have on guests right now or product candy. I like to have some type of smell. And I also know that I like to have things with me that have smells too. If it's visual, there's a certain color that you like. There's a way you can create your space. There are some opportunities where they say you can bring pictures in or you can bring something in. I love bringing family pictures in because that reminds me of the people that I care about and the people that are constantly praying and sending me good vibes even when I'm feeling stressed or anxious about something. And then, you know, just thinking about how, um, excuse me, I'm just trying to think about the other sense. I said hearing, I said sight, I said sound. Taste. Taste, that's the one. The food. The food is freaking taste. Um, What snacks do you like? Or if there's a special delicacy that you have that's part of your culture, can you make it and bring it with you? Or is there a nearby shop that you can support that's a local business that you can pour into? Or is there just a way to have something that you know, this is my eating time, this is my lunch time, I'm sitting down, I'm not doing other work, I'm not trying to multitask, I'm just sitting with my food and enjoying. I think that's the first assessment that you have control over and that you can easily do and and scan your body at any time to start doing that. I think the other part of that is what are your negotiables and what are your non-negotiables? One of my non-negotiables, I don't like cold. I don't like it. So why am I going to move to New York and say, you know, I'm going to do the live the city dream if I know that I don't like cold and I do not like snow? Like I like the aesthetics for the picture. I'm going to take the picture outside and then I'm going to go back in and I'm going to have my hot chocolate. I'm going to be where it's warm. So if I know that that's a non-negotiable, I'm not going to put myself in that situation. Now, there are some places where, oh, it looks great. As you mentioned, everything looks perfect. Everything's going to be fine. 
But how can I ask questions in the interview space to confirm? Because looks can be deceiving. We all know that we post highlight reels on LinkedIn and social media to give our announcements of what's going well, how things are going. And people could believe everything's going well for Kiani right now. There's nothing going on with her because I'm not exposing my failures or my mistakes or when I have gaps in between what I want to be doing and what I think I should be doing or when I make what I consider is a mistake or something wrong, I'm not exposing that. I'm not writing a 12-page Facebook post to let you know those things. I take that time to personally reflect, and then I work on the next best thing, and then I announce that next best thing. So if we operate constantly on a highlight reel, then it can be very hard for us to ask the questions that we need to ask to make sure that our spaces that we're occupying are safe. Even with asking questions, even with setting boundaries, we can't control the people that are in these spaces. We can't control what people are going to say or do. There are policies and procedures that monitor and then buffer, I kind of think of the bowling alley, the buffers on the side, to make sure that they don't go off the rails. But there are certain entities that happen or that take place or systems of oppression that exist that allow power and privilege to shift the way we might be experiencing a space. That is the work that diversity, equity, inclusion is trying to address, but it's still ongoing because as much training as we can do, as much learning and growing as we can do, we cannot change how people behave just because they do the training. The person themselves has to believe and honor, check, learn, and relearn and unlearn things to make sure that they can move forward. So I say all that to say that as long as you're in the drivership of what you know are your negotiables and non-negotiables, you're able to communicate that and you're able to ask the questions you need to ask, you have done everything that you need to do to ensure your safety. That still doesn't mean that things aren't going to happen along the way. It means that when they do happen, what self-assessment can you do in order to make sure you're safe? And if you can get out, get out. And if you can't get out, what can we do to get you to the place where you can get out? And how do you assess pod mapping to who's in your community to help you? And when you're doing that pod mapping, everybody's not going to be doing the same responsibility. I have some people I talk to about work stuff. And I have some people I talk to that are going to hold me accountable and say, this is you. I know this is you. This is what you want to do. This is how you do it. And then I have some people I just want to have fun. Those are my people that are like, get out of your head, lighten up, live a little. I don't want to hear that terminology in student affairs that you're talking about. I don't even know what you're talking about. (laughs) Can we please just talk about what we watched on TV today? Have your people (laughs) for those things so that you can get what you need, but also be held accountable because at the end of the day, you're the one that is experiencing it, but you don't want that experience to be the only thing that you can um, call yourself. You don't want your identity to morph into that possible toxic environment that you're in. All the snaps for that. I mean, right? The, yeah. <laughs> I was just taking it all in. That that was a great way to kind of close us out today on the podcast and in true fashion too, I do want to give us one last little 
answer to that question of what are boundaries. And to set this off, I want to try something different other than a noisemaker. I want us all to make a unique noise into the microphone mm. on the count of three. One, two, three. <laughs> so what are boundaries? Um, creating a space where you're able to thrive and not survive. I love that. And then I would say boundaries are the connection between your mind, body, and spirit and whatever environment you're in. And boundaries are the safeguard that help to protect us, to live to thrive, to survive, and to go on and carry on and to be the wonderful humans that we can be. And so with that, thank you for joining us, and we look forward to having you next time. Take care.